Welcome back to Second and Short. It is Friday, October 20th, 2023. I'm sat here with Luke, as always, every Friday. And we had quite a quite a good week. Uh, NFL-wise, we got a decent amount of news, quite a few injury updates for sure, and we've got a great weekend ahead of us. Some star-studded matchups and some not so much. But the MLB playoffs roll on as we speak right now. There are runners on the corners with no outs in the bottom of the ninth in a 1-1 ball game for the Diamondbacks. Yep, he's good. Okay. Um, and then we've, of course, got uh, you know the Premier League resumes as well as the Champions League resuming next week. We've got great matchups all around. And, of course, we'll end it with questions time. Luke, how are you doing? I'm great, man. Uh don't have really much to say as far as like how my life's been. Um, I hope everybody in school's doing well. My elbows feel feels fine. You know, topping out at fifty nine didn't do permanent damage, so we're all good on that front. <laughs> good, good. We don't need any people out for a year. That's that's no fun. Mm-mm. I've heard the rehab's painful. <laughs> um, dude, I'm so locked in on this baseball game. Oh, grounder! What beautiful defense! He's out at the plate. Yep, he's out at the plate, but they got runners on, uh, I think, back on the corners with one out. No? Should I turn First on my second? TV mid-episode? Do I need to do that? No, you're good. Um, I'll make the announcements. I'll jut in as needed. Okay. But, um, yeah, right now, you know, as we're talking, we've got the bottom of the ninth going on right now. And then um, we'll have Houston and Texas coming up as well. And we also have Thursday Night Football on as well. Kind of a stinker in Thursday Night Football, so I'm not putting that one on the TV. But um, what is not a stinker is the rest of the slate for the NFL this week. Luke, you ready to go ahead and get into it? Yeah, let's do it. We're we're uh, we're starting it off hot with a uh, Bears oh, yeah. Raiders. Oh yeah, Bears <laughs> Raiders, an amazing QB battle between Brian Hoyer and Tyson Badgett. Who could have asked oh, for more? Yep, uh, no Garoppolo. I think as of today, yep. which I mean, honestly, like, duh. does it matter? I mean, Brian Hoyer has been a backup in the league for you know a minute now. I, I wouldn't yeah. be too mad if he got stuck with him having to start a game. But um, the other side, Tyson Badgett. I mean, put up okay stats in the time he got against Minnesota, but. Um, I have never heard of this guy. Yeah. Me and Colin were talking about him a little bit on Wednesday. Uh, D2 holds like all the records for a quarterback. Uh, went to Shepard, oh, wow. I believe, in West Virginia. Um, his dad is like um, a legend in arm wrestling. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But yeah, there's not much else wow. to know about him. And um, I just remembered that. You know, I was talking about this the whole time before we recorded, but um, we have a little something fun. We're gonna we're gonna transition the way the screen looks for you um, to a little bit bigger view. Just the date up top, real minimal. Make that viewing experience all about us. You don't need to read yes. the socials at the bottom anymore because you saw the beginning and you're already following us all on all of them. You don't need to see the title of the podcast because you heard me say it at the beginning. It's just about us. It's about our two beautiful faces. And, um, yeah, you get to watch them for the rest of the episode. But for now, let's continue talking. Raiders-Bears. I just – is anybody going to watch this game? Uh, except for Bears and Raiders fans, I'm not. 
I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if any Bears or Raiders fan wants to watch this. <laughs> uh, it, it's um, they might be the God, last people like, that want to watch this game. Yeah, you know, you know what though? I will say the Bears last week are coming off of an an interesting loss to the Vikings, if that's yes. even possible to say. But um, I think uh, you know whether this is a big deal or not. Um, as far as last week goes, with how the Vikings played, there I I am now. I'm off the Vikings bandwagon and I had them going to the Super Bowl against the Bengals. The Vikings are the weirdest worst team I have ever seen in my like lifetime as an NFL fan. It feels like they don't seem like they should be bad and Grayson sometimes their their games aren't even bad when they lose, yeah. but they just they can't buy a win. No, they can't. Yeah. Um for the Raiders, though, like they still have, you know, Max Crosby to look forward to. He had a great game last yeah. week, despite kind of a bad game all around from that team. My biggest issue is Devontae Adams. Like, what's up? What's up with him? He's not getting targets from Garoppolo, and it's clearly affecting him. Yeah, uh, big time. Um, I don't know there, but, uh, you know, with Devontae Adams not really being targeted, uh, you had Michael uh, Mayer, who had a fantastic yeah. game um, as a rookie, you know, kind of a guy that I think we were both high on, you know, doing our um, divisions preview, you know, being a very highly drafted uh, tight end, and he finally had a good game. And I feel like in the system that he plays in, especially with Garoppolo as his quarterback, you know, we always say that tight ends are kind of like our safety guys really was expecting Michael Mayer to come off like, you know, hot, like week one. But um, it looks like, you know, with Devontae Adams getting less targets, he's finally working his way in there. But I don't know. I would rather have Devontae Adams than Michael Meyer. Fair enough. However you pronounce it. I think it's Mayer. But um, let's go ahead and get a final score prediction from you. Um, boy. Um, (laughs) 17-10. I'm going to go Bears. Bears in this one. Okay, yeah, my final score prediction is I don't care. Um, (laughs) Fuck this game. Uh, Next, though, Browns-Colts. And I I think that the issue here is obviously that Anthony Richardson is out for the rest of the season. Um, So the Colts are going to have nothing on this Browns defense. Yeah. um, just, Just about Anthony Richardson, though, like what a bummer. Yeah. He what, was what so good. A, a guy that, you know, I, I'm going to, you know, tell on myself, and I feel like I do it every episode when we talk about the Colts, did not expect him to look good in this system at all. No. But even without Jonathan Taylor, I mean, that offense was, they were moving the ball down the field with Anthony Richardson, and I just hate to see him go um, so early in the season. And it, it wasn't even like he was healthy in the games he was playing in either. Mm. You know, he had even missed games too, so... Really hope he comes back strong next season. Um, I don't know if you saw, but there was a couple uh, in the same hospital as him that happened to be Colts fans. And the the husband was the one getting uh, surgery. And the wife convinced Anthony Richardson to come to their house and surprise the husband. And he <laughs> fucking did it. Wow. It was amazing. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. We got oh, a final man. in Arizona. 2-1 Diamondbacks. They make it. A 2-1 series. They they shortened the lead. Cattell Marte hits a uh it looks like a walk-off single. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna assume. Uh yeah, a walk-off single to center field. Paven Smith scores the winning run. 
and Arizona all of a sudden gives Philly their second loss of the postseason. We'll talk more about it later, but for now, a hard-fought battle in uh, in Arizona. Yeah, seriously. Shot off um, that home field advantage, but uh, continue. Anyway, you know, back to Colts-Browns. Um, yeah, I mean, to your point, this Browns defense is like – <laughs> the Colts may not score many points this game is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, this could easily be a bloodbath. This Browns defense is not getting enough credit in the media that they deserve. They are some dogs. And, I, you know, especially with Anthony Richardson being out and, you know, kind of with the Colts not having really a running back one anymore because you had Zach Moss that was playing well for Jonathan Taylor. Now Jonathan Taylor's back and just signed a contract. The Colts just have so many moving pieces going on that don't even involve what's actually happening on the field. I think the Colts are definitely going to lose this game. Yeah, I'm kind of in the same boat. Like, you know, P.J. Walker might be a quarterback for the Browns. Deshaun Watson might be a quarterback for the Browns. It doesn't matter. Like, this Browns defense is way too good. The way that they shut down the 49ers last week, and I know there were injuries and, and all that, but... Regardless, if you shut down Brandon Ayuk and you shut down George Kittle and Brock Purdy, regardless of McCaffrey and Debo Samuel's injuries, you're a good-ass defense. No doubt about it. You got Miles Garrett throwing Trent Williams across the ground. like It was all Browns when it came to the defensive side of the ball. And I know the yep. offense is a struggle, but you're going to put up enough points to beat the Colts here because I, I'm looking at like... Browns 20 or like Brown probably Browns 24 Colts 10. Okay, I I'm going to go Browns 20 mm, Browns 20 Colts 14. Okay. Let's get to the next yep. game. And I think uh, Oh, sorry, we, go ahead. Wait, real fast. Do we know if Deshaun Watson is cleared to play this week or is he questionable um, going into this game? I'm going to pull it up real quick. I can check real fast. He is questionable. Okay. And so is Kareem Hunt. Um, he has returned to yeah, practice. Well, that's good. Um, yeah, even with those two guys being out, I mean, against the 49ers, you had a, a fantastic rushing performance by Jerome Ford, 17 carries, 84 yards. Kareem Hunt had a decent game with uh, 12 carries, 47 yards, and a touchdown. I, I still think the Browns win without Kareem Hunt and even without Deshaun Watson. Yeah, looks like Deshaun's yeah. probably not going to be there. It looked like he was pretty limited in practice, just throwing passes. So probably no probably no Deshaun Watson, but I still think they win. Let's get to the next game, a heated division rivalry, and one that means a lot to me, Falcons at Buccaneers. And I just need to preface this with, on a week-by-week -week basis, I have never had a quarterback in Atlanta that makes me want to gouge my <laughs> eyes out every fucking Sunday. Desmond Ritter just Bring something out in me that I have never felt with a Falcons player before. I never got this mad at Matt Ryan. I never even, like last year, I didn't get this mad at Marcus Mariota. I didn't get this mad at anybody on this team. But something about Desmond Ritter just sends me over the edge. Like no matter what happens in this game, I know it's going to be close. I know I'm going to be mad no matter what happens, and, and like it's going to be, and I'm going to still just glue my eyes to the screen for three hours of my day. Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> I don't even know how to respond to that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Um, I, you know, I think looking back at the Commanders game, it's never a good sign when Desmond Ritter has 47 pass attempts. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the thing with the Falcons is, is I, I don't think people realize how good the Falcons could be with a serviceable quarterback. They, the, the Falcons, Grayson, in my opinion, literally have all the pieces. Yeah. They, they have all the pieces there. It is just the quarterback play. But as we know, you know, in the modern league, uh, you know, it's a throwing league. And Desmond Ritter can't, he can't get it done if it's in his hands. No. And, um, you know, and it definitely showed against the commanders for sure. Oh, yeah. But when it comes to this matchup, like, it's going to be close. Like, there's no doubt about it. It's going to be close. The Buccaneers, they average 18 points per game. They concede 17.6 points per game. So they like a close game. Their point differential is two points. And the way the Falcons run the ball, I I think they're going to look much better than many of the teams that the Buccaneers have played so far this season. Because, look, the Bucs have played teams like, you know, Minnesota for week one, who obviously doesn't run the ball well. The Bears, who couldn't really figure it out either. Yes, the Eagles run the ball really well, but that's a game they lost. The Lions run the ball very well, that's a game they lost. To me, it seems like the Falcons' rushing game should beat them. I just think that the passing game is where we're going to hurt ourselves. That's a good point. And, you know, going back to the uh, Lions' win over the Buccaneers last week, what, what a bizarre win. They had 22 carries for only 40 yards and still beat them by two possessions. Yeah. I mean, it probably was because Jared Goff was um, in sicko mode that game. Um, What a performance from Jared Goff, especially against that defense, too. I mean, you got to you got to give it to Jared Goff. But um, to your point, you know, it'll be interesting to see what um, a, you know, a true good running team like the Falcons can do against this Tampa defense because, you know, as you and I both know, we have harped over this Buccaneers defense um, really all season long. But the Falcons are a serious opponent, you know, in the running game. Um, It's just, you know, what I'm kind of seeing happening is I think the Buccaneers are going to force turnovers on Ritter, and that'll be, you know, the story of why the Falcons will lose this game. I'm taking the Buccaneers, unfortunately. Yeah, I'm going to as well. I'm going to take the Buccaneers 24-20. That's a good score. Um, yeah, I'm going to match you. Actually, 24-21, Buccaneers. Give okay. them one more point. All right. Yep. This one, um, it's going to be bad. Bills-Patriots. It's going to be oh, a fuck. bad, bad game for the Patriots. The uh, Patriots are going to definitely you know, catch the brunt of this one. Just... They've been so, so bad, and this one's going to be really bad. Like, yeah, the Cowboys are pretty good, and they got their asses whooped by them. And then they get their asses whooped by a, a much less good team in the Saints. And then last yep. week, they played a pretty bad Raiders team. Voice crack. Jesus. Played a pretty bad Raiders team, and... Still lost, got kind of embarrassed at the end with the safety for Max Crosby, but um, this Bills team is going to wipe the floor with them. Oh yeah, um, 
even, you know, you can always, and I mean, this is a case that I like to make is like, oh, it's a division rivalry. You can never know what's going to happen. I, I literally, literally think the Patriots are that bad yeah. to where we all know what's going to happen. It's a hundred percent predictable. Uh, I mean, it, it's a broken record for the, for the Patriots. I feel like, yeah, Ramondre Stevenson, like finally had a touchdown last week, but he didn't have a good game. Um, Ezekiel Elliott's washed. They don't have a quarterback whatsoever. Um, and I mean, like, you know, they they have decent receiving weapons. Like, you know, Mike Gesicki, he was good for a while. Um, Hunter Henry is, you know, was Mac Jones' favorite target early on in the season. Last two games, he hasn't really been doing much. And then you got guys like Demonte Parker there. But, like, all these guys are, like, they're just not effective compared to, like, what other teams in the league have. Um, and, you know, despite how good the Patriots coaching might be, they're they're just so far behind, like player personnel wise. It's not even funny, and I I really would go as far as to say that I think the Panthers are better than the Patriots, even though the Panthers haven't won a game yet. The Panthers have had way more impressive losses than the Patriots have. Uh, there, there's a lot more you know content we can go off of with how the Panthers could be good in the future. The Patriots need a complete rebuild of everything. Yeah, they do. Uh, undoubtedly, you know, obviously the defense is a little banged up, but Mac Jones yep. sucks. Ramondre Stevenson's a fraud. Kendrick Bourne is your number one receiver, and you're giving him like 13 targets a game, which is crazy when you're giving Hunter Henry three targets and Mike Gesicki three targets. These are guys that can actually do something for you, and you're yeah. not using them. Yeah. Instead, you're incorrectly using wide receivers. Like, it, it just, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if it's the coaching. I don't know if it's all Mac Jones's fault. I don't know what it is, but there's something wrong with this Patriots offense, and it has to change. Yeah, and I'm, I don't know about you, but I, I feel, well, we still have to talk about the Bills. Um, <laughs> I mean, what is there to say? I, the Bills yeah. are, uh, what, better than the Patriots at literally every position, except maybe, maybe you could argue like, well, no, I was going to say defensive backs, but the Bills have defensive backs. Uh, they're, you know, good ones, too. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, pick your poison. The The Bills can run the ball on the Patriots. They can obviously throw the ball on the Patriots. They're probably going to get sacks and turnovers. I, I They're really <laughs> – this is so hard to go in depth with. <laughs> yeah. It really – Um, yeah, Bills, Bills 28, Patriots 13. I'm thinking Bills 38, Patriots 10. Nice. Yeah, this one's going to be uh, bullying if I were to yeah. how about, put any turn James on Cook? It. Yeah, James Cook's great. It, it's kind of weird because like, they didn't really use him much last season, and now he's kind of like the guy, and yeah. he has just been... Phenomenal. Yeah. And it's amazing. With Damian Harris, who is okay. They called it a next sprain. Um, should be back soon. I don't know his timetable exactly, but you know, he's good after that pretty scary injury. Um yeah. I, I think James Cook's gonna get more and more usage as the weeks go on. He seems to uh finally be the answer at running back that Buffalo has been searching for for these past couple of years. 
Yeah, that, that's a good point is um, really their whole running back room is decent now. Um, of course, Damian Harris isn't, you know, hasn't been too effective with Buffalo as he was in New England. But, you know, they have Latavius Murray there, too, along with James Cook. So they, I mean, really underrated running back room there in Buffalo, um, which is helping out Josh Allen a lot. Yeah, for sure. But let's move on to the next game. Commanders at Giants, a division matchup, two teams that are very much struggling at the moment. Commanders are coming off of a win, but not the cleanest. Um, I'm going to be honest, this this game might be kind of good. I think so, too. Okay. Um, I was about to say, you call me a sicko for thinking this, but it's going to be a good game. Like it, It's going to be enjoyable to watch at times. There's going to be a lot of um, moments. That's kind of what I'm thinking, too. Um, And, you know, especially like Sam Howell is honestly, I I think he's an entertaining quarterback to watch, whether he is, you know, throwing just ridiculous interceptions or, you know, having like 300 yards and three touchdowns like he just is a he's a big risk taking quarterback. I feel like he he's not scared. He doesn't play scared. Um which is why I think he's very entertaining, despite him maybe not being one of the best. But, you know, on the Giants' side is, despite them not really being able to get it going offensively, they still have entertaining players to watch. I mean, Saquon Barkley's still there. Darren Waller, if they could get him going, is still there. Um, And, I mean, even Daniel Jones, you know, when he's having a good game, it's fun. So it it just has to come together for him. Yeah, I I think this is just going to be... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and coin this one. Commanders Giants, two drunk guys fighting game of the week. Yeah, here we go. <laughs> yep. I know that the over under is set at thirty seven and a half, but I think it has a decent chance to just be a, a all out punch out. Like I know these offenses haven't been great and both teams, the defense hasn't really either. The commander's defense much better than the Giants for sure. But I there's just something about this 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 matchup of these teams more than the players on the field but the two names of these teams matching up together just seems like some just sloppy like you know heavy run NFC game yes he, NFC beast football and, and it's never yep. it, it's just never not going to be entertaining to watch two NFC beast teams just beat the shit out of each other so um I'm thinking, thinking Commanders twenty eight, Giants twenty three. Yeah, that's a. I feel like that's pretty accurate. I would go. I'm going to keep the the Commanders at twenty eight. Um, but I think, I think it'll be like seventeen for the Giants. Okay. All right. Before yeah. we get into the next game, though. Uh, Andrew Heaney looks like he's already getting pulled in the top of the first. Not Uh-oh. not good at all. Um, yeah, looks like yep they are they are pulling him actively uh, for I believe Josh Spores. Yeah, uh, it started off the scoring. They had two runners on Alex Bregman, a two run triple. Tough, Uh-oh. tough. Um, so not Uh-oh. looking good. For uh, for the the sweep in Texas, um, they're gonna have to if they want to win this series, either hold on to this game or uh, take it back to Houston. So that's not gonna be fun. But we'll continue here. Lions at Ravens. I think this is a great game as well. 
Uh, even if the Damn. Lions ultimately dominate, I still think it's going to be a good game. Do you think the Lions can dominate this game? I think so. I, I mean, I don't know. Baltimore is a serious contender. Yeah, I just I, I think there's a lot to desire from this Ravens offense that we're just yet to see, and this doesn't seem like the week that it would happen. Yeah, I mean, you know, to your point, the the Ravens are four and two, but I don't think they've necessarily had the cleanest four and two season thus far. No. Um, which the the Lions, though, man, they're a clean five and one team. I mean, like that twenty to six win over Tampa. I mean, like that was, you know, you and I have Tampa pretty high. I feel like in how much we rate them, Detroit really had like no issues with them, uh, and you know. With Baltimore coming to play them, I think Baltimore is going to play them hard, but yeah. the Lions are just one of those teams that I feel like is has reached that different level status. Agreed. Um, I, and Baltimore, not, I, can, I can't say that about Baltimore, though. Yeah, I, I think there's going to be moments where the Lions just stumble. Like, this is a week that it could happen. David Montgomery is out. That's definitely going to hurt this team. Jameer Gibbs is just coming back from this injury, and then all that's left after him is Craig Reynolds. So I don't know what that means for this offense, but it'll probably look a lot like last week, which worked. Pass the ball. Yeah, the Ravens are a pretty balanced defense, but so are the Lions, and I think they match up each other well. My only issue is that the Lions do have a good run defense, but none of the teams they've played have a quarterback that was a threat to run, especially one not like especially not one like Lamar. Yeah, and Lamar's coming off of a really, really good running performance against Tennessee. Yeah. I mean, they really couldn't stop him anytime he got out there. Um gosh, shit, man. I don't know. This is gonna be interesting. Um I think if you're Baltimore, the key to the key to winning this game would be just trying to shut down Amon Raw. Um you know, I, I don't know if really Jamison Williams has proved himself yet. Um, two receptions, 53 yards, and a touchdown last week, which was, you know, decent. Uh, and, you know, they also have guys like Josh Reynolds and Sam Laporta. But I think if you shut down Amon Raw, that takes away a lot of yards that the Lions would have in their game. And with them not, you know, really having a healthy David Montgomery and, you know, a, a barely healthy Jameer Gibbs – you're going to make this game a lot closer for yourself if you shut down Amon Ra. And and I would say get to Jared Goff and maybe force a turnover. Yeah, if you can get to Jared Goff, which I will say Jadavian Clowney's done a good job of getting to the quarterback this season. If, if he's yeah. on one uh, on, on Sunday and you can catch this Lions offensive line slipping, then we might see him, uh, I would say, upset. But Baltimore's a three-point favorite at home. Um Crazy to see yeah. the Lions not favored in a game, but I don't know. Yeah. We'll, we'll have to see. But I think overall this game's going to be great. I think it's going to be close. Um, I've got the Lions twenty-seven, Ravens twenty-four. Hmm. That's a good one. I'm going to go. Uh, hmm. Lions. You know what? You know what? I know what I said. I know what I said. I'm going to take Baltimore in this one. I'm going to go with the upset. I think I think Baltimore, you know, just with how I verbalized how Baltimore could stop Detroit, I think they have the personnel to do it. So I'm going to go Baltimore 27-24. I'm going to flip the teams. Okay. Score. All right. Yeah. Well, let's get into the mid-slate Steelers-Rams. 
I just I think this is going to be one of those games that you just don't know how it's going to go. And if you think you do, you're not going to be right. <laughs> yeah, um, even as a Steelers fan, I'm kind of, you know, taking shots in the dark here. But, you know, Grayson and I were talking about it pre-recording. And I just think that the Rams defensive line, <coughs> um, Aaron Donald, um, it, it matches up so well against what the Steelers, like, can't do. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I mean, run the ball. Um I mean, if you've watched any Steelers game, you would know that um, if Kenny Pickett turns around to hand the ball off to Najee Harris, there are people in the backfield before Najee Harris touches the ball. Um, Aaron Donald is probably going to be a specialty about that in this game. I don't think the Steelers, even double, triple teaming this guy, have the personnel to effectively stop him, Um, which is going to be hard on the Steelers, but... You know, and, and with saying that, that turns the ball over to Kenny Pickett. And is, is Kenny Pickett good enough to kind of, you know, run a game on his own? Probably not. Um, it's, it, it's, you know, it's like a broken record every time I talk about the Steelers. It's, it's going to come down to what our defense can do versus Matthew Stafford. And, you know, as you and I both know, Grayson, Matthew Stafford has proven that he can – he can put up stats and, and yards against teams. Oh, yeah. It, the Steelers might have a tough time against the Rams. Yeah, I, I think the Rams have just been so... Actually, it really goes for both of these teams. They're so hit or miss so far this season. Like, yeah, the Steelers, you know, they're not that bad. But they're pretty bad. Like, their record would say otherwise, and some of the results would say otherwise. But they're pretty bad. The Rams feel like they should be better than they are. Like, they feel like they are better than they are. It just (laughs) doesn't reflect in the record. Rams have struggled at home, which is kind of interesting to me. But I just, I don't know. It's hard to pick against the Rams because, like, last week, Puka and Tutu Atwell kind of had down weeks while Cooper Cup certainly had a great one, but they just weren't throwing the ball. Like, the whole first half was kind of all the throwing, and then second half was all the running. Now Kyron Williams is out. Now, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember the other guy's name. Whoever their second guy is behind him's out. So we're probably going to see Zach Evans, the rookie, starting at running back. I just, this feels like another one of those games where it's like the Rams should win, but the Steelers are just going to win. I don't know why. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, The Rams should beat us, but I I don't know. I'm kind of betting on our defense to kind of wreck the game for them. Um, So, yeah, I'm going to go with my boys again. Hard to kind of pick against them. I'm going to go – I mean, we're we're not scoring like three touchdowns. So, um, 2014 Steelers. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm I'm going 2017 Steelers. I like it. All right, the next game at the same time: Cardinals Seahawks divisional matchup. The one in five Cardinals go to Seattle, and the biggest stat here is that Cardinals opponents are scoring 27 points per game. <laughs> yeah, that's brutal. And they they do not have an offense to keep up with it. <laughs> no, especially not with James Conner still out. Yeah, um, and that really hurts um, 
my fantasy team as well. I cannot believe that James Conner isn't playing anymore. But Seattle's been a weird team too, kind of like the Giants. Uh, as far as like, I, I thought Seattle was going to be a lot better this year. Yeah. Um, but Geno, I, I don't know. I, I feel like it's kind of Geno is the issue. Um, you know, he just hasn't really looked as good this season. And also, I, I think it's fair to mention too that Kenneth Walker hasn't looked this good or hasn't looked that good this season either. Yeah. He's um, had like one pretty solid game. I think overall this offense just hasn't been at times they haven't been as good as they should be and at other times they look pretty good but they haven't really just put one together like they had a great game against the Lions in week two getting the win in overtime and all that but it still looked bad on the defensive side I need a good game wire to wire kind of like what I've talked about with the Giants all season is that we haven't seen the Seahawks put it together on both sides of the ball for an entire football game yet. This seems like the week they could do it. Yeah, I know, big time. But, you know, I could also see with how the Seahawks have kind of been like a wild card, I I could see Arizona maybe coming out with a win in this game. I really could. I don't know. Um, I I don't know. I, I feel like in this game in particular, I'm playing the division rival card. Okay. My issue is that I am very much aware that Vegas knows more than me, and um, they like the Seahawks by eight. Damn. Yeah, steep spread for the NFL. (laughs) Very Um, steep. uh, Well, you know what? Fuck Vegas. Fuck the Raiders. I'm going going Arizona. I feel like we have picked so many low-scoring games this week, and I'm going to do it again. Um, Scoring is just down in the NFL, despite the Dolphins putting up 70 (laughs) earlier this year. Last week was one of the worst offensive weeks that there's been in recent times. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 17-13. I think the Seahawks are only gonna put up 13 again. It's gonna be just another bad game. Okay, I'm thinking Seahawks 24, Cardinals 13. Okay. All right. The next game, the 4:25 slate, Packers at Broncos. And might I start with this? Gross. This is a disgusting fucking game. I hate this matchup. <laughs> I hate it. Man, you were so high on the Packers going into week one. I, uh, Yeah, I was. But then again, <laughs> they're better than the Vikings. See, that my, my, my first thought wanted to tell you no, but you, you might be right. <laughs> Win percentage, better. Vikings are 0-3 at home. Oh, wow. Yeah. But um, uh, let's see. By uh, Packers last game because they're coming off of the bye with the Steelers. They played the Raiders and lost. Correct. So yeah, and Jordan Love didn't have a good game either. He was about fifty percent completion, sixteen for thirty, uh, under two hundred yards and three picks. Yeah. And Aaron Jones didn't play either. Yeah, he is back this week, which is big. But might I talk about the Broncos last game? Um, where not a single player had 100 yards. Anybody on the Broncos had 100 yards. Um, Russell Wilson threw for 95 yards in this game. Javante Williams led the team in rushing with 52 yards. They barely eclipsed 115 rushing yards as a team, and as a result, put up eight points against the Kansas City Chiefs, all in the fourth quarter. 
this team is falling apart. Sean Payton is yelling at Russell Wilson at every chance he gets, and nothing is going their way. Not a single thing. At least there is something to look forward to for the Green Bay Packers. There is nothing at all to look forward to for the Denver Broncos. Yeah, absolutely nothing. Got like, can you like think back to like when the Broncos announced that they had Russell Wilson? I thought it was raps. I thought like the Chiefs are no longer (laughs) the kings of the AFC West. Like all this shit. And then it just came crashing down. Yeah. Um, J- shit, I mean, like, you could even go as far as, like, to talk about Jerry Judy looks like a bust. Yeah. I, I, he I, might get traded. Steve Smith, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that Steve you, Smith's you, clip is awesome. <laughs> oh, my God. Bro. What does he oh, say? C-tier wide receiver? Woo. Yeah. And That's he also tough. said if I'm... He also said like something if I'm other NFL organizations I don't want to trade for him or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um Well, I mean shit, what what more can we say? I mean, um Dyer Alexander is going into this game questionable with Aaron Jones. Um at, you know, Justin Simmons is questionable going into this game. I I really like I think it'll be like a 21 to 10 Packers. Yeah. Um, I might go a little bolder. I'm going to go 24 to three. Wow. I think the Broncos have no chance of putting up points. I just, okay. I I, like, there's nothing that like, you can't come out and be like, no, they're going to put up points. It's the Broncos. That's the issue. I can go as low as I want on points for the Broncos because there's a reason why they wouldn't score those points. <laughs> yeah, but exactly. Let's move on to the next one. The last game of the 420 or 4 o'clock slate, Chargers at Chiefs. And in my mind, this one's a slugfest. Division game, it's going to be, there's going to be points on the board, no matter what. Like we, but, well, okay. I wouldn't say no matter what because we watched the Chargers on Monday. That was painful. It was. But I, I just think this Chiefs defense, there's something missing. I, I don't know what it is because like it's not like teams are scoring a ton of points on them. Like the Chiefs are five and one. They haven't given up more than twenty one points, which was back in week one. But it does seem like there's a missing link here. And of course, Legarius Sneed's been fantastic. Chris Jones, since he came back after week one, has been great. I don't know what it is about watching the Chiefs, but it just doesn't seem like Chiefs teams of the past. And kind of the same goes for the Chargers. So I think this is a close one, that, or at least for three quarters, and then the Chiefs end up pulling away. Yeah, uh, that that's a definitely a fair assumption. I don't know, like kind of to bounce off of you with the Chiefs is like they are a 5-1 and one team, and, you know, they have looked impressive, but it's not as impressive and flashy as other Chiefs teams in the past. It really doesn't feel like they should be five and one. Um, but I mean, here we are. You know, they are five and one, and the Chargers are two and three. But um, it, it's so tough to say. I mean, even with Eckler being back last week, he did not have a very good game against the Cowboys with with a you know good defense. But 
Um, I don't know. I'm predicting Eckler will probably have a better game against the Chiefs. Um, but I think overall the Chiefs are, like you said, it'll be close, and then the Chiefs will probably end up pulling away from them. Uh, I'm going to go like 28-21 Chiefs. All right. Yeah, I'm going to go 27-20 Chiefs. This Chargers offense has been it just kind of tripped and fell on its face since Mike Williams went down. And yeah. the Chiefs just reign supreme on the AFC West. It's hard to pick against them in a division game. Yeah, no. It, like, Patrick Mahomes has rarely ever lost division games, right? Isn't yeah. his record in the uh, division ridiculous? I don't think he ever loses. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes, AFC West record. Uh, oh, he, did you know that he's 1-0 this season in the AFC West? Fucking stupid. <laughs> not I'm not sure he could go to his career splits, but I don't feel like doing that. Um, he's no. That was as of last year. Yeah. Well, I, I I don't have one, but he's pretty good. I mean, he's never lost to the Broncos. Nice. That's not bad. He's twelve. Now. Damn. Oh man, what we got next? Um, I want to give uh, a quick update, real quick. So Houston is up three zero, top of the second. Um, and then in your NFL game. The Jaguars up to a quick lead, 7-0, uh, 5 minutes, 30 seconds left in the first. But let's yeah. get into Sunday night football, the game that everybody wants to hear about. The Miami Dolphins head to Philly to face the Eagles. The Eagles, a 2.5-point favorite, over-under, a big 51.5 for these teams. What a perfect time. For this matchup, both teams are now five and one going into this week. The Dolphins are in a weird spot because, goddamn, do they score a lot of points? But they haven't played a defense like the Eagles this season, outside of maybe the Bills. And the Bills smacked them around, one hundred percent. But the Eagles have given up twenty point six points per game, which is great. They haven't faced an offense like this. These are two teams that haven't faced a team that's genuinely better than them yet this season. Other than possibly the Bills. I'd I'd be fucking damned if I'm not watching this game. Oh my god, yeah. <laughs> Me and Colin um, will be recording the first ever Monday episode of Second and Short during that game. It is going to be fantastic. Oh, that's going to be so much fun. Um... God, it just I I almost don't even really know what to say about this game. They you kind of covered it. They they matched up so interesting uh, for each other that I have no idea how it can go on Sunday Night Football. I I honestly, you know, with the Dolphins being such an offensive heavy team, I mean, we all know the saying "defense wins championships." I could totally see a scenario where the Dolphins aren't getting it going and the Eagles just kind of pull away from them. Yeah. But that being said, though, we could also, you know, we could see a shootout. Tua has Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle. Well, on the other side, Jalen Hurts has Devonta Smith and, um, oh my God, I'm blanking, A.J. Brown. It, it's <laughs> just what a perfect primetime game. Um, oh, yeah. 
What a perfect primetime game. I'm looking at Raheem Mostert in this game, though. I, I'm thinking it's it's weird to say, but I think the Eagles have a better chance of stopping Tua and his pass game, or at least stopping them from being as effective than stopping Raheem Mostert in the run game. Yeah, especially considering, you know, a, a pretty banged up Tyree kill that left the game, came back, probably shouldn't have, got a little more hurt in last week's game. I think that affects them quite a bit. So, you know, though Tyreek will probably be in the game, it's really down to Waddle, uh, you know, at least at wide receiver. But my biggest thing for the Dolphins is, like, they give up a decent amount of running yards. And I know they rush the ball very well. They average 181.8 yards per game. But they've been giving up 114.5 yards per game rushing on a bunch of teams that, don't really rush the ball. Like the Chargers, who I believe Eckler got hurt in that game. They faced the Patriots, who don't run the ball well. The Broncos, who didn't have Javante Williams yet. The Bills, who at that time, yeah, James Cook was kind of hitting stride, but sure. The Giants, without Saquon Barkley. And the Panthers, whose run game has sucked all year. And they've still been giving up that many rushing yards they're about to see so much DeAndre Swift in this game that it is going to kill them. Yeah, that's a good point. And, I mean, we've seen, you know, DeAndre Swift kind of carry the load for this Eagles offense in a couple games this season where he's getting, like, 20-plus carries. Um, and he's also, you know, fantastic in the receiving game, as he's always ha- always has been. I-, I think it is worth to mention, though, even though he won't be playing in this game, Jalen Ramsey is back at practice. Yes. Which is crazy. It's a big deal. Yeah, it's amazing. The the um, fact that some of these guys are coming back from injuries so quickly is absurd. Like his oh, initial God. timetable for return was like late November, early December. And he's already back on yeah. the practice field in full pads, not contact or anything yet. But the fact that he's out there full pads running, like moving quite a bit is a great sign of his return. Probably looking at like early November, mid-November. Yeah, no, no, exactly. And I mean, I'm just going to throw this out there. Don't be surprised if you're watching Aaron Rodgers hold a Lombardi trophy at the end of the season. Shit, don't be surprised if you see Aaron Rodgers holding a football in week 15. (laughs) Exactly. I mean, he's already throwing the ball, but anyway, man, back um, back to this game. I just... Philly, you know, it's worth mentioning that Philly's coming off of a pretty tough loss to a very banged-up Jets team as well. Um, You know, Zach Wilson didn't even have to throw a touchdown, and they still beat him. (laughs) So, um, yeah, Jalen Hurts did not play well, but it's um, this one's going to be tough. I'm very interested to see what your score prediction is because I really don't even know what mine is. Yeah, I I think that... (laughs) Both of these defenses have things that the other side is going to do a really good job of exploiting. So I, I certainly am not, you know, shying away from the points, but I'm going to take Eagles 31, Dolphins 28. I'm going to go Dolphins 35, Eagles 31. Okay, yeah. I, I just, it's hard to root against the Eagles when they're at home. That's my issue. Yeah, I mean, that that's a very good point. But let's move good. on to uh, a game that would have been great if uh, the Vikings didn't suck. So I understand why they scheduled this one preseason. 49ers-Vikings Monday night football. 
The 49ers, for the first time, have to see what Brock Purdy looks like when he bounces back, or if he can bounce back. Could be missing McCaffrey and Debo. I I don't know. Both of them questionable. Both of them, I believe, limited in practice today. Um, so that's pretty big. That that hurts Purdy, or does it? Do we know what it looks like without them? <laughs> like that's the thing. Brock Purdy continues to amaze us week by week, and last week worst worst appearance of his career, one hundred percent. But for some reason, I think he's just going to come back so easily against this Vikings team. Uh, yeah. Dude, I'm kind of wanting to take the Vikings in this this game. I'm not even going to lie. I know what I just said about them, but I, I feel like right now the 49ers are weak. Like th- this would be the perfect time for them to lose. More perfect than last week. Um, which I predicted, by the way. Yep. I did predict this upset. I probably not didn't get the score right, but no. Um, I I don't know. It, there's there's so many you know things. With this one, I will say I'm very happy that Brock Purdy lost because that means that Ben Roethlisberger's record still stands as I think the most consecutive wins as like a rookie or um, to start just a like career, as your first yeah. career. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, what what does this game look like for Brock Purdy if he doesn't have McCaffrey or Debo? I We don't know. That's the problem. It's It doesn't happen. It hasn't happened. My thing is is that this 49ers defense is going to look real good against the Vikings who couldn't even look good against the Bears. Yeah. Like, if you're putting up 19 on the Bears, meanwhile, the 49ers give up, like what, 19 to the Browns, but certainly played a whole lot more solid. I just, yeah. I, I see no world where the Vikings surpass 14. Justin Jefferson is back. Is he? Uh, he's not on the injury list going into this game. I think he's on the IR is the issue. So he wouldn't show up on the injured list. See, I'm, I'm showing guys on the IR, though. Let me look it up. Justin Jefferson's status. Um, Last time I checked, he was out for a couple of weeks. Yeah, maybe it's looking... Yeah, maybe it's not looking good for Justin Jefferson. Let me see. 12 hours ago, real fast. Uh, okay, so he's elig- He's on the IR, and he's not even eligible to come back until the Saints game on November 12th. Yeah, week 10. So still got a couple more yep. weeks to wait on Jay Jettis. I just... I, I can't root for a Vikings team to beat this kind of team, especially without Justin Jefferson. Never mind. Yeah, with the 49ers, uh, that, that kind of puts a hole in what I was going to say. Um, I think it might be close, though. I, I think that it'll be a grinding victory for the 49ers with um, with all the injuries that they could potentially be dealing with. I'm going to go I'm gonna go 21-14 49ers. Okay. Yeah, I'm going to go um... – we go 24-10 49ers. Okay. Yeah. And um, that's all the games. Six teams on by this week. The Bengals, Cowboys, Titans, Jets, Panthers, Texans. And uh, make sure you check your fantasy lineups if you haven't because uh, I was in for a rude awakening on Tuesday. I'll just say that. <laughs> um, 
good oh, God, man. do I have a lot of players on by. Uh, my team is just scrapped together. I think I'm starting Zach Evans this week. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, Zach Evans and A.J. (laughs) Dillon, I believe, are in my lineup this week. So it's not looking good. Uh, Luckily, I'm playing Nathan, who's 1-5, but I'm 2-4, so it's not much better. Um, All right, anything else to talk about in the NFL before we uh, get another update on Astros Rangers and uh, talk some more MLB playoffs? Uh, Let me see... Uh, my, my saved here just to see if I saved anything that might, might be interesting. Uh, uh, oh, here's something interesting. AJ Brown admitted that he cried when the Patriots drafted Nikhil Harry over him. They also drafted Nikhil Harry over DK Metcalf. Yeah, uh, I as well. I recall. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, this was kind of a cool moment. I don't know if you saw this, but in a Lions press conference, um. Uh, Dan Campbell, he was like, he was talking about the Ravens game and then a reporter that he recognized raised his hand to answer a question. And apparently that reporter's uh, wife had actually passed away recently. And Dan Campbell uh, offered his condolences before he uh, answered the question, which was really cool. Dan Campbell is my coach of the year so far. I, I mean, love him. look at that Lions team because of him. It's a ridiculous what what are you watching Sorry, I see what, the eyebrows I, Jordan Alvarez <laughs> just reached on a fielder's choice I just was surprised he was safe no worries though oh because he's not fast no <laughs> uh but um yeah shout out Dan Campbell and uh I don't know if we talked about this but this was at the uh beginning of this month um CJ Stroud broke Dak Prescott's actually mm-hmm. uh he broke Des- Dak Prescott's record all time of uh, uh all-time rookie record which was 117 pass attempts without an interception to begin a career. The top five is now C.J. Stroud, Dak, and then Tom Brady. Nice. Yeah, surprising yeah. that it's Dak. Maybe that was just the beginning of the uh, downward spiral. Yeah, well, I, I don't, his rookie season. <laughs> no, he had a great ridiculous. rookie season. No doubt. Yeah, that was ridiculous. Anything else? But, um, that's it, man. All right. All I got. Let's talk some baseball there is of course a game going on right now um two outs runners on the corners top of the second houston up three zero uh jose Abreu up to bat against dane dunning right now um but let's talk nlcs game two and then we'll talk a little bit of game three which happened right as we started recording so game two was a bloodbath at the bank phillies win it 10-0 and my God, did Merrill Kelly get shelled in this one? Whew, oh, dude, tough. Uh, I I just like I, I don't even know what to say about this win. I mean, you you had a combination of the Phillies' offense doing what they've been doing all postseason long, and Aaron Nola, who came out and just killed everybody. Oh my God! Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, I think, you know, another big reason that you can kind of attribute um, this win to is also they, they shut out Corbin Carroll, who I know has been a big part of their offense. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, really, they the the Diamondbacks couldn't get anything going. I, I think they only have eight hits in the series before game three. They had four hits game one, four hits in the 10 nothing loss to uh, Philly, uh, Philadelphia. Damn. But, um, yeah, uh, just all around beat them every aspect of the game. Yeah. Like the Phillies were kicking the D backs ass so bad that one moment summed up this game 
and it's when Jake Cave of the Phillies hit a triple, and they called him out at third, and he was clearly safe, and they just didn't challenge it. That's how you know you're getting your ass kicked. When a team in the playoffs isn't challenging a play, you're losing. <laughs> and it was yeah. actually the first shutout in uh, Diamondbacks postseason history. Oh, wow. Yeah. But, yeah, Nola pitched a fantastic game. Six innings pitched, three hits, no earned runs, seven strikeouts, no walks. Masterpiece. Jesus. And that bullpen still and I keep looks going- solid. Yeah, the, the bullpen looks good, and I, I keep going back to it. You know, one of the MLB questions that I asked you was, you know, can and I listed a bunch of guys like, you know, are they guys that will be in the postseason this year and can turn around their team? And I think one of the guys on that list was Aaron Nola. Um, I don't think he had a very good regular season. Am I right? In no, not that? really. Like he was kind it wasn't of, great. But, I mean – here we are in the postseason, and he looks like how he should have looked in the regular season. He's been phenomenal. A big reason why the Phillies are you know, playing so well. Yeah, definitely. Um, one of the fans, though, not so lucky. Uh, he ran on the field. A Phillies fan got absolutely fucking demolished by a security guard in center field. Oh, my God. Looked like that guy should be starting for the Eagles next week. I was about to say, I, I'm sure some of those guys are, you know, some hidden like D2 gyms back in their day. Yeah. So probably a linebacker at like Temple. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to run through this very long list of accolades and records that the Phillies and their players now hold um, following game two. So the Phillies have a plus 31 run differential, which has obviously changed now. Well, actually plus 31 run differential at home, so that one stands the same this postseason. And they're only behind the 2007 Red Sox, who had a 39 run differential at home in their run. Phillies have had four multi-home run games this postseason, which ties their own record in 2009 and ties the Angels in 2002 for the most by team in a single postseason. The Phillies broke the record for the longest solo home run streak in a single postseason with 12, so... Every one of their last 12 home runs uh, prior to, I believe, somebody hitting a two-run um, was a solo shot. Wow. Yeah. Uh, in the last four games that the Phillies played, obviously prior to game three, they hit three home runs off of A.J. smith Shaver, three home runs off of Spencer Strider, three home runs off Zach Gallen, and three home runs off Merrill Kelly. They're now the second team in MLB history to hit three-plus home runs off of a single pitcher in four straight games in the regular season or postseason. Wow. Yeah, they joined the Chicago Colts from June 9th to June 13th of 1894. Never heard of the Colts before. Grayson. And honestly, in 1894, they counted ground rule doubles as home runs. So this is, they're probably the first team that actually hit all of theirs over the fence. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, the Phillies now have um, one of the lowest ERAs in the first eight games of a single postseason, only trailing the 1983 Orioles, who had a 1.23, the 2023 Phillies a 1.39. Uh, the Phillies have now hit 15 home runs in their last four games. Of course, a postseason oh record. God. And now to the personal ones, Trey Turner, the only player ever with three-plus home runs, four-plus steals, and five-plus doubles in a single postseason. And that was only through game two of the CS. 
and he was disappointing all regular season. Long. Yeah, except for like a 15-game stretch. Yeah, <laughs> that's incredible. Yeah, um, with Kyle Schwarber's two home runs in Game 2, actually his first multi-homer postseason game, but he now has 10 home runs in the LCS, tying Albert Pujols for the second most in MLB history. Only Manny Ramirez has more home runs in the LCS all-time with 13. And my final one, players to have 15 home runs in less than 50 postseason games. Number one, Babe Ruth. And number two, Bryce Harper. And that is all. Bryce Harper and Babe Ruth. Yeah, that, that one doesn't sit well with me. <laughs> oh, you liked Bryce Harper. I do, but not when he's kicking my team's ass. <laughs> Speaking yeah, of kicking fair. ass, Adolis Garcia solo shot to left field. Texas lowering the margin down to two, three, one Astros, bottom of the second. Oh. But let's talk about the game that happened tonight. Arizona, like I said at the beginning of the episode, walks it off. Cattell Marte walk-off single with, uh, I believe, bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth. And crazy. A 2-1 victory. Like That was some fantastic starting pitching by Brandon Fatt, who sucked dick in Game 1 of the NLDS and wasn't much better in the wild card round. He sucked. But 5.2 innings. Two hits, no runs, no walks, nine strikeouts, and only 70 pitches when they pulled him. Ow. Yeah, absolutely killing it. Nine strikeouts on 70 pitches is impressive. Yeah, damn, this must have been a short game with the first um, the first runs coming in the seventh. Yeah, that one went by pretty quick, but the end of the game kind of dragged out and it lined up pretty perfectly with the beginning of the uh, the Astros game. Maybe some fixing in there, Rob Manfred, if you'd if you'd care to make a statement. Um, but the Phillies got three hits in this game. That's it. They got two hits off of Brandon Fat, and then one hit off of uh, Ryan Thompson, I believe is his name. Yeah, Ryan Thompson out of yeah. the bullpen. That's their only hits of the game. Easily the Phillies' worst performance of the postseason thus far. And part of that goes to the starting pitching. Ranger Suarez didn't have the best game, didn't give up any runs, but just wasn't efficient. Kirkering came in. He sucked. No outs recorded. Three hits and an earned run. And then Kimbrell kind of struggles there. Only records one out in the bottom of the ninth before giving up the walk-off, but he walked two and gave up two hits to uh, concede that run and lose the game for him. Just a tough scene for the uh, the Phillies here, but nice to see some uh, some competition brewing in both series. Both series start off 2-0 leads. Both teams bring it back to 2-1, and actively the Astros sit on top right now. Yeah, and I mean, it, you know, it could have been a lot worse for Philadelphia. Uh, oh, yeah. The Diamondbacks left 10 runners on base. Um, you know, throughout the game. And it's just like, I, I don't know. I feel like the Phillies just kind of had a day off. Like they, they totally deserve to lose. And maybe it's fair to say that the Astros should have won by more. Diamondbacks. Oh, sorry. Diamondbacks. <laughs> but bad. yes, I, I agree. <laughs> I, Ketel Marte has been on a heater 
in the last game, despite getting shut out, he was two for four. This game, three for five with the RBI that seals the game, wins the game. He's now batting 371 in these playoffs. Corbin Carroll bumps down in the lineup after his performance last night. Might bump down again. 0 for 4 with a strikeout in this one. But Gabriel Moreno, some crucial uh, a crucial hit in there. Lourdes Gurriel playing amazing, getting that big walk to set the pace, start off the bottom of the ninth. And then uh, Perdomo also drawing a walk, just getting on base. Paven Smith, pinch hitting, or technically just substituting for Evan Longoria, DH, comes in 2 for 2 and scores the winning run. Just huge moments across the board by the guys you want it to come from on this team. And, you know, you can't really ask for more from them. Yeah, I really don't have much to add, except it's kind of weird seeing that Kimmerell lost the game for him, though. Yeah, doesn't happen often. I don't often. know. I feel like he, he's been lights out, and uh, he just kind of, you know, with no offensive help, there wasn't really much for him. I wonder if they, I wonder if he would have pitched well if they would have given him more innings into the game. Maybe. Well, you know, wouldn't know, but we'll see. Yeah. But just to preview the rest of this series, you know, Friday stays in Arizona the next two games. They play three straight. So um, we'll get another doubleheader tomorrow with Houston and uh, or Houston, Texas and Philly, Arizona. We'll see Christopher Sanchez for Philly, Arizona undecided at the moment. But those ticket prices already raising up. Game three at Chase Field initially was only got all the way down to fifteen dollars for entry. But game four turning things up to ninety seven dollars. That's respectable. Respectable. It's not. It's not the four hundred and fifty dollars that it took to get standing room only tickets at the bank. But it it suffices for sure. And then um, we'll also see them on Saturday. In Arizona again, of course, no pitching matchup there yet. But Philly has the chance to go up 3-1, put the Diamondbacks on the ropes. But Arizona, the chance to tie things up, make it a real series. Man, they call it the bank for a reason. Oh, yeah. (laughs) You want to stay out of there. I will 100% say that. But Arizona can't win this series without winning a game at the bank. That's the hard part here. Yep, that is the hard part. So, I mean, Red October is real, man. Like, I don't know. Is it fair to say that, like, there really isn't a such thing as, like, well, I mean, obviously, because it's not October, but there isn't a such thing as Red October in the regular season, I feel like, with Philly fans. You don't, like, you don't necessarily hear about them until it comes postseason time. Yeah. Like, we know their fans are crazy. You know, we see it for the Eagles, and you see it for the Phillies here and there in the regular season. But... There's something about October that just gets these fans out there to the field and somehow just hasn't lined up with a Sunday. They have not had to play on Sundays. Weird. Um, Because you're not making the teams, you're not making the fans choose. That's, that's annoying. (laughs) I wish they did. Well, I know. um, I think the Tuesday game was in Philadelphia, right? Yeah. There was a, Phillies game, a Flyers game, and a Germany versus Mexico post uh, like soccer friendly at the um at the link. It was total gridlock in Philadelphia on Tuesday night. I'm on sure. a Tuesday night. Weird. 
But I just thought I'd bring that up. I thought that was interesting. Very much is. But if you try and make them choose between the Phils and the Eagles, man, oof, you might see They're more riots in the Super Bowl. But let's get into the ALCS side. So game three last night, Jose Altuve hits a home run, makes it 25 career postseason home runs en route to their first victory of the series. And, man, they looked great. They looked unlike they have in really any of these games so far. Obviously, the Rangers up 2-0 to that point. The Astros come out. They win it 8-5. The bats come alive. And you just got to, you know, give it up for Christian Javier, really. 5.2 innings pitch, 3 hits, 2 earned runs, 5 Ks, and a walk. Though it's not the best, he shut him down for quite a bit in this game. Gave up the runs late and um, just tried to keep him in it. And he did a good job. They got the early lead. They gave him the run support. He laxed up in the fifth, gave up the two runs, but nonetheless, a great performance by him. Yeah. Um, and then on the other side, as far as pitching goes, um, Max Scherzer kind of got whipped up on in oh, this yeah. one. Um, only made it four innings, gave up five, gave up uh, five hits and five runs. Uh, only four strikeouts and a walk. Just, you know, a very kind of bizarre, you know, we're not used to that from Scherzer when it comes crunch time, I feel like. And, it you know, it poses questions, at least with me. Did he come back too soon from injury? I don't know if he came back too soon or if it's that, you know, at the time when he went down, you know, he was shut down for the season, probably not thinking this team would make a run like this. So maybe he <laughs> wasn't quite prepared and then, has to ramp things up near the end of his rehab so that he's like game ready when he's ready to return. And, you know, maybe that caused some issues, but it's hard to just not pitch for the last, what, month and a half of the regular season and then jump in in game three of the ALCS. Yeah, that's tough. No, really, no matter who you are. Yeah, nobody is just going to come out and just be lights out in that scenario. Yeah, yeah. But, Ooh. damn, Ryan Presley, too. <laughs> just another good closing postseason performance from him. I don't know. Trying to catch Mariano Rivera. Oh, yeah, he's trying. <laughs> it's going to take some work, but he's trying. Um, Josh yeah. Young, uh, a sack fly. Sack fly to left field, makes it 3-2 Houston still, but the Texans creeping back only at the bottom of the second. This game is looking real fun to watch. Um, okay. But back to the guys here. Like I said, Jose Altuve hitting his 25th career postseason home run, now only four behind Manny Ramirez for the all-time record. And including this postseason, this year Jose Altuve has five home runs at Minute Maid Park and eight at Globe Life Field. <laughs> that's wild and like you that said Max Scherzer struggled in this one but Christian Javier started off this postseason hot honestly unlike any other he had the lowest opposing batting average in a four start span in postseason history between last year's postseason and this year's he started off his first or his last four games a .071 opposing batting average that's the lowest ever Mike Mussina, second place and third place, actually. In 19, from 1997 to 2001, his four-start span, a point, point 0.104, 
and then himself in 1997 alone, 112. 2022, Zach Wheeler, a 118. 2017 to 2018, Justin Verlander, 118 as well. So shout out Christian Javier, just being a playoff performer for this team. Yeah, seriously. Um, he's been fantastic. Got a pretty low ERA right now, too. Oh, yeah. Through, um, how many games has he pitched? How, how many I games think, has Christian Javier pitched? Is, I think is it two. just two? Yeah, two or three. Um, yeah. I believe just two. But both these teams also flashing some leather out there. In the top of the sixth, Leody Tavares had a clean robbery off of Jordan Alvarez to stop a sure home run, probably three feet, four feet over the fence in center field. Leody certainly got up there, brings it back, stops the comeback, or actually stops them from lengthening the lead, but Michael Brantley in the bottom of that inning also got some payback on him and um, made a hell of a catch, falling back, over his shoulder to rob Adolis Garcia of an extra base hit with a runner in scoring position and two outs in the sixth. Ridiculous. Yeah. Ridiculous. It, I mean, bo- both of these teams, like, I, the, I I think it's fair to say that, you know, in the NLCS, it, it, we can say that the Diamondbacks just haven't looked good and the Phillies have looked very good. Now, but on the other side with the ALCS, I just feel like both teams are, you know, there's there's not a lot of bad things we can say about No, them. there's not too much separation between these two teams. I'll say that for sure. Yeah. Same record <laughs> going yeah. into the postseason. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and, you know, looking at the game going on right now, I know I've been given some updates, but might as well look at it all. Jose Altuve, two for two start off this game fantastic um like literally this game started altuve single mauricio dubon single alex bregman two our two run triple yeah so that's a, a great way to start a game uh if i have to say so and then jordan alvarez also an rbi single which uh scored in bregman in that first inning but no runs since then again they've only batted twice <laughs> This game is moving wild, wildly slow. Yeah. Uh, they began, um, I think, first pitch was 8 o'clock, 8.03. It is oh, wow. 9.05, and uh, it's the end of the second inning. Yeah, they're going to be up late in Texas. Yeah, um, Rob Manfred is not going to be happy. No, he's not. But how about Kyle Tucker, though? Just just completely non-existent in this postseason so far. And it the craziest yeah. part is, is it looks like Astros don't even really need him. No, not when Jordan is hitting like he is. And you got Altuve heating up now. Mauricio Dubon looks good uh, in this game. But, yeah, you know, who needs him, honestly? Jose Abreu, of course, not hitting for average. But a 567 slugging ain't bad. Um yeah, there's just something off with Kyle Tucker. Of course, he's still going to play a good right field, so it's nice to have him in the lineup. And there's always the opportunity that he just like hits for a cycle. Uh, speaking of Kyle Tucker, I think we got him right now, don't we? In the game, yeah, he is. Uh, he's up to start the third and ground out oh, and- to uh, Corey Seager there up the center or up the middle. Um, not surprising. Now Chaz McCormick uh, comes up to the plate, the Chasmanian Devil. Oh, there we go. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. Fantastic nickname. Yeah, at the moment, top of the third, 3-2 Houston. Um, we'll give you updates as it goes. But previewing the rest of this series for them, we're getting a fantastic matchup. We're getting Justin Verlander versus Jordan Montgomery again on Friday. 
Last time Jordan Montgomery got the best of him, I think it probably goes a similar way, but I think it goes in Houston's favor, at least sitting at home in this game. Their final game at home for the series, you know, no matter what they're playing it, Houston's got to bring their A game, and I think Verlander does that for them. Yeah. Oh, my God. Verlander. It just This series, just is, it's just all-star matchups, man. Yeah. Like I, I feel like these teams, you know, especially with guys like Adolis Garcia kind of coming back and showing up for the postseason – and, you know, you also have guys like Josh Jung who have been – he's been playing ridiculous in, yeah. in this um, in this series as well. But, like, it's just an all-star matchup. Like, both of these teams are loaded pitching and with their bats. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I've enjoyed this much more than probably any of the series so far this, this uh, postseason. Yeah. This series yeah, has been great. Time. It's a big testament to, you know, seven-game series in general. I think they should just be standard, Um, personally. I like more baseball, man. I do. I like more baseball. Make it a seven-game series, at least starting in the divisional series. But I don't make the decisions, probably for good reason. Um, Yeah, so look, if Houston sweeps at home, they got to go win a game at Globe Life because you got two at the end of this series. Game six and seven will be at Globe Life where they lost the first two games, very similar to the other series, like we said. I don't know how this series ends. I think, I just feel like if you go up 3-1, you got a pretty good chance. That's that's the biggest thing to me. If Houston goes up 3-1 here um, tonight, then, uh, then Friday, actually Friday, they could win it. I didn't even think about that. No. Wait, yeah. Friday isn't tomorrow? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, because they played Sunday, Monday, game three on Wednesday, game four is tonight, and they could win it on Friday in Texas. And that was a that was a quick inning. Yes, from, it was. Uh, Holy shit, from, it is already over. <laughs> back up uh, with the leadoff batter, Marcus Simeon. So we'll see Corey Seager. And then this this Evan Carter oh, young man. buck. Who He's been amazing. Coming out of fucking. Yeah, he has been fantastic. Um, He's their three hitter. That's ridiculous, dude. Yeah, the, the guy is just an on base machine. I think he started off um, just in the wild card and the first game of the uh, DS. I believe he was ten for twelve getting on base. Wow! How? Yeah, wild, wild. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll keep giving you guys updates throughout the episode if anything else happens in this one. But for now, let's talk a little bit of soccer, man. I've uh, oh, it's- I know the Premier League got well, you know wasn't gone for long, just a weekend off. But I missed it, man. I did. Uh, There's nothing better than uh, getting up on a Saturday or Sunday morning before football starts and uh, watching a little bit of soccer. So that's what I'm saying. We've got some games this week, and. Um, yeah, we'll start with this one. Probably the best matchup of the weekend. Manchester City versus Brighton. Yeah. Um, goals. Uh, a lot Manchester of goals. Kind of, <laughs> a lot of goals, but <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. Manchester City are kind of coming in very cold yeah. to this game. Super cold. I mean, there, there are two losses in a row to, I think, Wolves and then Arsenal. Back to back. I just, I, I, I don't know. It's... 
But it's weird because Brighton are also cold. So I, I feel like this is yeah. the perfect game for Manchester City to get back on track, not Brighton to get back on track. Um, I agree. And that's, that's kind of thoughts. You know, it's hard. I think that was a perfectly timed international break for Man City. Yeah. I, I think that works out very well. You lose two straight in the Prem, take a little break. <laughs> you know, if you're lucky enough to get one. Yeah. And yeah, Manchester fine. City definitely is. Of course, Kevin De Bruyne is still out, um, but everybody else kind of available. Nobody really restricted in this one. Uh, for Brighton, Estupignon still out, and CISO still out. Um, it looks like James Milner, a little little beat up, but that's not a, a needle mover. Um, look, I, I think yeah. when it comes down to it, Brighton scores a lot of goals. Man City scores a lot of goals. Brighton, the problem is they give up goals. They haven't put up a clean sheet this season. That's my issue with Brighton. Yeah, and, and City, you know, not only tactically, but like player personnel-wise, they, they can exploit a bad defense like oh, yeah. nobody's business. Brighton, you know, they're going to have to do a lot as far as scoring goals to keep up with what Manchester City might do to them this weekend is kind of where I'm thinking. Agreed. Yeah, look, like Brighton, a fantastic team at home. Um, Or sorry, wait, is this a Manchester City home game? Am I dumb? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it is a Manchester City home game. Okay, well, this, this website's just giving me the wrong notes. <clears throat> Whatever. Um. Yeah, that's so weird. It's it's saying that Man City is the best or one of the best teams away and that Brighton's one of the best teams at home, but it's showing it's a Manchester City home game. Whatever. Look, Manchester City <laughs> in front of their fans against Brighton, a team that historically they have beat the shit out of. It's a different Brighton team, but it's not a different Man City team. No, not not at all. Um yeah, I really don't know where else to go from that. I just I think it'll it'll probably be a high scoring affair, but I, I think Manchester City are not gonna have one, but maybe two goals more than Brighton will. I'm gonna go four two city. Okay. Yeah, I'm gonna go um I'm gonna go three one city. I like that I like that point of two goals up. So uh I'll stick with that with you as well. But our next marquee game here. Marquee might be an overstatement. Chelsea, Arsenal, the London Derby. It's going to be interesting. At Stamford Bridge, um, of course, as Chelsea goes, a laundry list of uh, inactives in this game. And for Arsenal, really only missing Trossard and Timber. I just... Is it okay for me to say that Arsenal is just going to kick their ass? Is that... Valid. No, it is not okay to say that. <laughs> what are you talking about, bro? I, well, I, I think, um, you know, I, I don't know if you can really say that Chelsea have proved themselves in their last two games, but we have looked a lot better. Um, yes. I, I cannot remember the last time Chelsea won two consecutive games in a row, or maybe it's three if you're counting the Brighton EPL game. But, um, you know, Chelsea, the, the international break, I, I think we both talked about this, could not have been more poorly timed for uh, Chelsea and Newcastle. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I really like the way that Chelsea lined up against Burnley, which was, I think, a 4-1, yeah, a 4-1 win. Um, Nicholas Jackson was 
didn't start, which I thought was surprising, but I like it. Um, Armando Broja didn't get didn't score, but I just felt like the offense looked a lot better around him against uh, against Burnley. Um, Cole Palmer kind of he you know I feel like he's been starting to fit in a little bit more. Um, it really like Chelsea just need to last until we're healthy again. I think you know. Um, Reese James and uh, Ben Chilwell didn't play against Burnley, so they're you know a little bit banged up, <clears throat> I believe, going into uh, Arsenal. You actually yeah. had Levi Cowill who started at left back, who you know normally isn't a fullback, but um, I- I'm really happy with how this Chelsea team looks. I think it's um, it's very telling of the way that Pochettino has kind of set us up to be like water. I, I feel like Chelsea has lined up so many different ways this season, just with the amount of personnel that we have, um, mainly in midfield. But, um, yeah, I feel like Chelsea's very versatile, and we're starting to kind of figure things out. So I I like our chances against Arsenal. I really do. Yeah, I I definitely don't see any issues. Like, it's not that Chelsea's bad at all. That's not why I think Arsenal just kind of takes care of business this week. But, you know, Reese James still isn't totally back. Ben Chilwell looks like early December. Looks like he's going to miss a month with that hamstring injury. So yeah. that's kind of tough. Um, you know, and Cuckoo's still out. Chukwameka's still out. Bunch of guys out. I just like how Arsenal's lining up right now. There, there's something about it. And I know, you know, they lose the midweek Champions League game to Lens a couple weeks ago. But the Manchester City game told a lot to me personally about how this team can look good while simultaneously not even putting out their best squad available. I think that was a big thing to me. And now you get a week off. Everybody's healthy. Martinelli back in form or sorry, you know, back from injury, you know, maybe you can run something much closer to what you have been in the past. Of course, Bukayo Saka most likely still out. Um, But, I still think they have a chance. You know, you can try some different things with this lineup because you saw how well a a different look worked against Man City. You'd assume it would work against Chelsea. So I'm going to take Arsenal in a close one. Um, I'm going to take them 2-1. 2-1, okay. I'm going to go... I'm going to go 1-0 Chelsea. Clean sheet. All right. Well, I don't know. Be careful in the box. Arsenal has been awarded the most penalties in the Prem this season. Just well, saying. Chelsea is fourth and expected goals conceded. All right. All right. We'll I'm actually looking at it now. I, I have, like, you know, like how we always bitch about, like, whenever we do research on, the, especially the Premier League side, that it's so hard to find stats. Yeah. I feel like Sky Sports might be the way to go. Oh, yeah. I, I'm sure it is. Um, I'm sure there's plenty of ones better than what we actually look at. <laughs> yeah, probably. Probably. And, um, like, I'm sure yeah, I could no, find I- better stats. Do I feel like looking? Not really. <laughs> I don't care. Like, I, I love soccer, and I love watching it. I love observing it. I don't think, like, I don't think I love it like I love baseball where I can look into the advanced stats. Cuz like I don't know what yeah. the fuck causes an expected goal. What like who decides that? 
It, it, yeah, it's it's a weird stat. But I, I know the like, algorithm. Like, I've seen the algorithm for expected things in baseball, so I understand it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I just I don't I don't see myself being an advanced soccer stats guy. Yeah, that makes sense. But then again, Rodri seven point three accurate long balls per ninety. All right, <laughs> that's enough. I can't I can't yeah. even lie that I care about that stat. Um, <laughs> all right, our next oh, matchup: man. the standalone match on Sunday, Aston Villa versus West Ham United at Villa Park. I like this matchup. I think I'm going to say yeah, that about this. every match that Aston Villa plays against a team in the top 10. <laughs> but I like this matchup. Yeah, me too. Um but I you know, I think West Ham West Ham are a team that can fare, you know, pretty well against them, you know. Yeah. West Ham are coming off of that 2-2 draw against Newcastle, which is, you know, pretty impressive. Um of course, you had an interesting lineup with Susek actually playing as a cam against Newcastle, which yeah. you know we don't really see him doing, but he scored. Uh, so that was kind of interesting. But um, it, it just it goes to show, man. Like you know, despite this West Ham team maybe not going in as the better team versus Aston Villa, they still like they can almost line up any way they want to with their wingers and midfielders and still be able to field a very serviceable team, which, you know, I, I feel like with midfield, you know, personally, I think it's the most important position on the field. That That's what's made West Ham just so, you know, they're, they're contenders this year because of those guys and because of that versatility. Yeah. And I, I think that's where they, that will show strong against Aston Villa. Yeah. My only, you know, pushback on that is that, Aston Villa does the same. Aston Villa has done a great job of everything that West Ham's done well. You know, Aston Villa can go out there with different lineups all the time. You know, move around some guys, switch out some guys, sub them in. Like, you don't have to start the same guys every week to be successful. You don't have to run the same formation every week to be successful. But the my big thing is that as much as that fluidity is important, the mainstays in this squad continue to excel. Diaby and Watkins up front have been fantastic. Pau Torres and Diego Carlos in that back line have been fantastic. Emiliano Martinez probably could be better, but he hasn't been bad. And everybody else moves all around and it just works. You can play Matty Cash anywhere. You can play Kamara in the midfield if you want, or you could start Tielemans, or you could start Leon Bailey. They have unlimited ways to run this team, just like what you talked about West Ham, but it seems to be working even better for them. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. I I, I will say, though, I, I don't understand why Villa is moving Matty Cash from right back. Like, Kanza's fine, you know, there, but it, it really, like, I, I think it's safe to say that it's hurt Matty Cash's performances to be at right mid instead of right back. He just doesn't look as good. Yeah. Of course, he can do it. Um, but I don't, I don't know. I like him better as a right back, and I would try to maybe sign someone in January that can fill in that right mid role better than Matty Cash can. But, um, other than that, I mean, Aston Villa have been more than fine. They've been great. Yeah, I think that, that Matty Cash at right wing and putting Kansa at right back probably functions much more as a five at the back than anything, if I had to assume. Like, having Luca Digne on the left 
makes me feel like they're probably running him as a left wing back where um, Pau Torres can slide to the left. Diego Carlos can be that, you know, anchor in the center of that five at the back. And then Matty Cash can play attacking. Dina can play attacking and kind of, you know, be supportive to the midfield. Yeah, that's fair. But nonetheless, um, I will say West Ham have not lost to Aston Villa in their last 11 meetings. Well, I, I think they're going to tie this time. You know, um, we're, we got a we got a one one draw versus Wolves for Villa and then a two two draw for West Ham uh, with uh, uh, Newcastle. I think they're going to draw again, Grayson. I'm going to go. I'm going to go. Uh, hmm. One one draw between those two. All right. I think Villa flips the script. I think they win two one. Okay. All right. The other like matches, it. though, in the Premier League, got a couple of okay ones outside of the ones we've already gone through. But um, we come back to the, uh, you know, the Premier League, and it all starts off with the Merseyside Derby in Anfield. Liverpool, Everton at seven thirty. Not bad. Uh, Liverpool is gonna beat the fucking shit out of them, but it's always fun to watch. <laughs> Uh, and then we also yeah. have Bournemouth Wolves, Brentford Burnley, uh, Newcastle Crystal Palace, which isn't a bad matchup. Almost made the prep sheet. No. Almost made the prep sheet. No. Not quite, though. Uh, Nottingham Forest, Luton, uh, Chelsea Arsenal, like we talked about, Sheffield United versus Man U. Easy win for Sheffield United. Uh, <laughs> and then... Uh, <laughs> Obviously, Aston Villa, West Ham on Sunday, and then Monday, Spurs, Fulham. Um, yeah, not a bad week in the uh, in the Prem to get to come back from this international break, but also have the Champions League. Champions League match day three, and um, actually, before we do that, uh, Texas uh, tied it up um, a solo shot from. I believe Corey Seager. Um, here, let me let me pull it up real quick. Sorry, momentum's changing, Grayson. Yeah, Corey Seager solo shot, followed up by a uh, a single from Evan Carter, but uh, to no avail. Um, Dane Dunning back up on the mound in the top of the fourth in a tied ball game, three three. We'll see what happens, but awesome. for now. It's time to uh, talk a little bit of Champions League. We've got match day three, and uh, it starts out on Tuesday. Um, everybody will have now uh, be facing the final team of their group for the first time. Starts off uh, Galatasaray, Bayern. I feel like that's got to be Bayern. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, even, you know, even with Galatasaray kind of being that like variable team, you know, it's a hard away ground to play at. Um, I, I, actually, this one will be at, played at Rams Park. I thought that their stadium was called something else, but I guess that's a new name. But um, yeah, Bayern are going to have to go to Turkey, and it's not going to be easy. But no. you would expect that Bayern would still have the you know the, the class to be able to beat Galatasaray. But we'll see, man. Galatasaray has looked good. They certainly have. Uh, but the next match, Inter versus Red Bull Salzburg. I, I, I want to give this to Inter, but I don't know. Salzburg's not bad. They always have budding young no. talent, man. Yeah, they do. Um, 
This one, uh, a shit team hosting Copenhagen. Manchester United um, hosts Copenhagen. Uh, another match in Group A uh, opposite Galatasaray Bayern. I just, I have zero belief in Manchester United to win a soccer game right now. Dang, you're, you're taking Copenhagen here. I don't know. Maybe. I like it. I like it. But Group B... Sevilla, Arsenal, we know Sevilla hungry for the number three spot in this group so they can go on to the Europa <laughs> League. Um, but if Sergio Ramos has anything to do about it, they'll move on to the knockout stage. We'll see. Um, but yep. Arsenal, of course, on great form. They're going to be coming off of a game versus Chelsea that I think they'll win. But I think when it comes to this one, Arsenal's probably still got it. They're, I think they, they'll match up well against Sevilla. Yeah. I think that That's defense fair. for Arsenal is going to be the big part for that one, um, despite their loss to Lens um, two weeks ago. But Lens uh, hosts PSV. I I really don't know. I like Lens always has like a couple of really good players on that team that you probably haven't heard about until they play. And that's exactly yeah. how Lens is. Like Lens has like a bunch of just budding superstars that are going to end up on you know the likes of PSG and, and some good Italian team and probably Bayern Munich and a couple in the Prem. And we're just going to be like, where the fuck did all these guys come from? Oh yeah, they all played against Arsenal that time they beat them in the Champions League. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah that's, that's what's going to happen with this Lens team. But for PSV kind of goes the same way. There's always some surprising guy that plays for PSV that just ends up somewhere and ends up good. Um, so, you know, maybe five years down the road, if these two teams have the same players, it might go better. But for now, I'm just not that interested in this one. No, me neither. <laughs> and I'm definitely not interested in this one outside of watching Jude Bellingham. Braga hosting Real Madrid. Um, look, Jude Bellingham probably going to score a goal. Vinny, probably going to score a goal. What else is there to say? Yeah, I, Actually, I want to do our uh, weekly Jude Bellingham checkup, a.k.a. the best player in the world checkup. I want to see what his stats are looking like since the last time. Well, there has been an international didn't he break. Score a, or didn't he assist Rashford in the uh, international break? Uh, yeah, he played four matches. He's played four matches in the Euro qualifiers with one assist, so I'm sure that's what it was. <laughs> yeah, if it wasn't an assist, I know he passed it to him, and Rashford did a little bit of work to score a goal. But Jude Bellingham did have one of the most beautiful moves with the ball at his feet. Um, he kind of stumbled as he got the ball, somehow switches feet to get past the initial defender. And then Meg's the second defender and keeps moving down the field. And then I believe that happens to uh, lead to the pass to Rashford where Rashford ends up getting it done. But Jude Bellium, just a fucking class, class player. Can I just, can I say something, Grayson? Can I say something? He's 20. Jude Bellingham in the Bundesliga. Crazy. Well, he's 20. Crazy. We say that a lot. That's one of our favorite stats. Uh, <laughs> it's like Glaber Torres. He's 20 years old. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he's only twenty three. Um, in the Bundesliga last season, Jude Bellingham played thirty one matches, had eight goals. He already has eight goals and eight matches in oh La Liga. My God, dude, this season, crazy, crazy. I, like he completely he was he was good at Dortmund. But now he's the best yeah. player in the world at Real Madrid. Yeah, I wish that happened to me as soon as I turned 20. 
just get become yeah, the right. best at something in the world. Yeah. <laughs> it didn't have to be a sport. It doesn't even have to be podcasting. If I was the best at fucking thumb wrestling in the world at the age of twenty, I'd be cool with it. That'd be pretty cool. I, I'm. I don't. Sure have, my thumbs aren't built for it. I've, I've short fingers, big palms, not great. <laughs> uh, but we got two more matches on uh, on Tuesday. Union Berlin versus Napoli, which it's always kind of fun to watch Union Berlin play. Um, yeah, that's that's really off to say, but they're just an entertaining team to watch. And the same goes for Napoli. Who wants to miss out on uh, Kaviska, Kavarshalia, and um, Victor Osiman? Yeah, well, Napoli is going to be missing out on him in January whenever he goes to Chelsea. So yeah, should have called him the coconut <laughs> head. Idiots. Should not have done that. No. Uh, all right, next game, though, Benfica, Real Sociedad. I don't hate this matchup. I don't. No, not at all. This is a very, like, even matchup, I feel like. You have yeah. uh, kind of – I mean, I guess Benfica is in a better spot in the Portuguese league because, you know, they're one of the best over there. Yeah. Uh, and Real Sociedad, obviously, in La Liga has more competition. But, I mean, two even teams nonetheless. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and then we move on to Wednesday. Feyenoord versus Lazio. Eh, I don't really care. <laughs> this is another one of those games where like Feyenoord probably has some kid that's going to be really good in the Bundesliga in like a year. Um, and Lazio probably has somebody yeah. that they'll sell to Juventus or AC Milan for like $90 million. Um, <laughs> And then Barcelona versus Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, once again, don't really care. Uh, I'm sure Barcelona will do something cool. Um, Celtic versus Atletico Madrid. Don't care. <laughs> Gotta be honest. I, I do like, you know, um, we've talked about like the multitude of Asian players on Celtic. They are fun to watch. They are. Yeah, they're so, great. So, you know, Atletico Madrid with a, a, a blistering hot Antoine Griezmann um, takes on Celtic in Scotland. But awesome. yeah, it always I'm, I'm comes to, to it always comes to this. The the best matches of the week come from the group of death. Group F, which stands for fuck Grayson. Um Paris PSG <laughs> faces AC Milan in the Parc des Princes. It's gonna be a great matchup. No no matter what. Christian oh. Pulisic has been great. Olivia Giroud's out here getting game winning saves and scoring game winning goals <laughs> week after week. Like, I don't even yep. know what's going on there, but it's working. So who knows what lineup PSG throws out there because some of the lineups they've been trying to put together with Kolo Muani and Usman Dembele and Mbappe and Gonzalo Ramos just seem like a bunch of guys stepping on each other's toes. Exactly. And then, you know, AC Milan, something that you uh, didn't mention, is they're actually the the one under... No, Newcastle also hasn't lost. AC Milan just hasn't won. So, yeah, um, yeah AC Milan, two games, two draws. Maybe yeah. it'll be different against PSG. Don't know. PSG hasn't been great, so uh, we'll have to see. But Newcastle versus Dortmund, it seems like Dortmund has gotten much weaker since you know the the conclusion of last season. Jude Bellingham, probably a big part of that. Um, it just they don't seem the same this season. No, not at all. And I think um, Newcastle would uh, they they need to win this game, yeah. I, especially like. You know, if, if I'm a Newcastle fan, I'm hoping for a PSG-AC Milan tie. You know, get them both at one points instead of one team getting three. Yeah. And you, you know, 
if you win against Dortmund, you're you're sitting very pretty. Um, and Newcastle definitely should beat Dortmund with how you know their form is looked. So yeah, especially hosting them at St James Park, I think they've got a chance. Yeah, I agree. But over to Group G, Leipzig versus Red Star Belgrade in Germany. Um, you know, Leipzig probably dominates this one. Yeah, Red Star might get slapped around. Um, yeah, Red Star do have a point. And I think that one, yeah, must have came against Young Boys because those are the only two teams that have tied. Yeah, I believe yeah, um, they drew uh, in Belgrade. Uh, Manchester City just like got so fucking lucky with this group. I mean, like the yeah. only the only bad part for City, I, I would say, the the worst part for City in this group is having to go to Serbia. Yeah, that that's one hundred percent worse than having to play Leipzig in Germany. Yeah, who are better than Red. Grade, but having to go to Serbia is never fun for the away team. So I agree. Um, yeah, I'm sure Erling Holland will get made fun of somehow. They'll make fun of his weird appearance. Oh. Um, <laughs> he does. He's got a weird face. He's a weird looking motherfucker. But damn, is he yeah. good? <laughs> God damn, eight goals in the prem. Uh, yeah, young boys hosts Man City. That one's just so obviously going to go bad. <laughs> Quick! They're gonna run. Quickly. They're they're gonna run all. Over. It's a good run thing that they have over. such nice things in Switzerland because it's certainly not going to be soccer that week. Um, and I then uh, in Group H, Antwerp versus FC Porto. Don't care. Yeah. You later, Antwerp. Yeah. Who's the last player you can name that played for Antwerp? I have an answer already. I'm. I have two actually. Really? Yeah, Raja Ninegolan used to play for Roma, and then uh, I believe Toby Alderwild that played for Spurs also went there. I know. Uh, I well, you might be getting confused with Anterlecht. I know. I know Alderwild. I'm gonna look came it up. from Anterlecht. No, but I think Alderwild yeah, at- went there after Spurs. Oh, okay. Um. But yeah, it, Raja Nyangolan, man. If y'all haven't, if y'all haven't looked up his story, like after the Roma days, y'all have to check him out. Like, he has such an amazing story. Like, have, do you know about like his situation? Who? Sorry. Uh, Raja uh, Nyangolan. No. He um, uh, like apparently moved from Roma. Uh, on purpose, like he transferred from Roma because his wife was like going through cancer, oh, wow. and like the best hospital was in like uh, I forget where he moved to, but it was like a smaller Italian team. And uh, yeah, he's a he's a really cool um, he's a cool guy. Nice. Story. Yeah, I was right. Both of those players play for Antwerp. Um, I believe Alderweireld still there. Rajnan Golan transferred in the summer to uh, Spal in uh, in Italy. Oh, okay. But, uh, Antwerp is actually where Rajan Angolan's from. Okay. All right. Enough of the fun facts. <laughs> <laughs> um, you ready to get into questions time? We've rolled through this episode, I but I enjoyed it. Yeah, we have. We ha- we had Nathan in pre-recording doubting us. He was, yeah. he was taking the over. What, what did he set it at? Like, was like it two hours and 15? 225, I think, is what he set the line at. Okay. Smashed it so far. As long as we don't spend 40 minutes on questions time, 
which you can never count yeah. out with us, um, obviously. <laughs> no, no, you. Uh, <laughs> but let's go ahead and get into questions time. And um, do you want to do what we did last week, kind of mix up the order? Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm going to let you go first, though. Okay. So uh, Gold Glove nominees came out, and it got me thinking. I'm not going to ask you about the Gold Glove, but if you could make an award for the MLB, what would it be? And who would win it a lot? Oh, that is such a good question. But can I think of something? <laughs> um, hmm. You think it would be a cool element to maybe add, like, umpire, like, scorecards? I like that. As, like, yeah. an in-season award? Yeah. I, I mean, maybe... Maybe you could even argue that that would incentivize umpires like more to like try to call better games. Um, maybe like a, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm gonna stick with the umpire one. I, I like the the scorecard. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I like that. I couldn't really think of one I myself don't, personally. Okay, I, I don't know though of like any umpires well enough to like say like who would win it all the time but um no there's some better there's better ones than like like okay you only know the ones that suck every that's how it goes everybody only knows the umpires that they don't like but with umpires there is a such thing as good and bad umpires like you have guys that have been doing it for a while that like are genuinely better than the rest yeah and have been for for, sure you know time so i don't know i don't know yeah, but there's also guys that have been doing um, it for a long time that still suck. Angel Hernandez. <laughs> Angel. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> let me see. Football question. If uh, I actually I didn't write down any questions this time, so it's all off the noggin. And I, I think I'm going to go with uh, I, I have a good one. Um, if Nick Chubb never got hurt. With the cleat, actually erase that, erase that. Okay. I have another question. Cool. Is Tyree Kill on pace to win MVP? He might be. I, I saw, uh, and the only reason I thought of that is I saw a uh, Stephen A. Smith podcast where he actually revealed that like Tyree Kill's on pace for like twenty three hundred yards this season. Jose Abreu three run, so, yeah, three run home run makes it a seven Whoa. to three. Sorry, I hate to cut you off, but. Top oh, of the good. fourth, seven to three. Damn. This is a slow ass game. <laughs> We're now an hour and forty minutes past first pitch, and it's the top of the fourth. Wow. Uh, but yeah, what you're saying, I, I don't it's so hard to give it to a wide receiver. It's so it's hard yeah, to give it to anybody but a quarterback. But yeah. when you know, not a ton of quarterbacks have really stood out. You know, Brock Purdy kind of faltered now. Tua is probably the the best shout to beat out Tyreek. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I, I feel like, and this is kind of like just coming from a person who wants to see a non-quarterback be, become yeah. MVP, I just feel like Tyreek's stats... Even though Tua is the one getting him the ball, Tyreek's stats are more impressive than Tua's stats. 
Yeah, I think so. I, I will say, Tua having such a good QBR um, is a big stat to me um, when it comes to, like, looking at an MVP quarterback, like, dominating in QBR right now. Um, yeah. But, like, I, I think it's probably safe to say that it's one of those two at the moment for MVP. You know, you know, we've seen now McCaffrey goes down off of a pretty bad performance and the injury. Um, and then the other guys like Jalen Hurts, Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, either missing time or just not looking good. I I think this would be the time, if any, for Tyreek Hill or Tua to win MVP. Yeah, that's a good response. All right, I'm going to ask you a soccer question now. Okay. Is Sandro Tonali done for? Is that is that the consensus? <laughs> if you guys don't know, uh, he's under and... investigation, which, fuck the international break, because um, that made this whole thing blow up. Because he reported to the national team and then was told to leave um, and return to Newcastle because the Italian FA was investigating him for gambling. Um, yeah, that sucks. And now I just keep seeing pictures of him at like sports books and shit. It's not good. Damn, not good at all. So okay, I, I don't know anything about like the gambling policies in like soccer, like in Europe at all. Why does it seem like, it seems like this is a new crackdown. Is it not? Um, cause like Ivan Tony well, a couple I, months ago, but yeah, was he was the um, first one I really knew about. No, I, I'm, I'm reading right now that he has a, uh, he, he has like a bad game. He has an addiction is what his oh, agent Tenali? is saying. Yeah. Yeah. I'm look I heard something about three years suspension from soccer. Oh my god. For a guy who has been so fucking good and we spent so much money on. Yeah. Well, I it just I don't know, it's a really shitty situation for Newcastle. Like I, I feel like it it would be less bad as a neutral fan to see him, you know, kind of already be in AC Milan for a couple of years and then get this betting scandal. But no, he he's moved to this new team that's like all fresh. You know, he's one of the main guys there, and all this is coming out. So yeah, I think that that's a really good question. Do you but think I can't this is really payback by the Italian FA for him leaving? I don't know. I mean, some of those soccer hey, organizations are I'm about to like say. Mafias. Some of those, some of those FAs, man, they're just corrupt as the big one. Yeah, look, I, I want an investigation on Real Madrid. Go, look, just go to Florentino. What the fuck Perez's are they pumping house. these guys with? <laughs> exactly. So when does Jude Bellingham? Where, the, when does Jude Bellingham just make the jump to the prem and just ruin his career? I was about to say, where is the real Jude Bellingham? Yeah. Who is this? But, um, while we're just yeah, asking really questions, don't... hold on. While we're just asking questions, what the fuck happened to Jaden Sancho? Where is he? What, what uh, is he doing? Partying. Has <laughs> he turned into chance, Jack so Grealish? Just... <laughs> That's what I'm hearing. Is he's nice. like he's like a Jack Grealish David Beckham hybrid? <laughs> fuck yeah! Oh nice. uh, lord. All right. Yeah. No. <laughs> he's kind of finished, but um. All right, so I guess since you asked a soccer question, I got to ask you an MLB question. Um, 
Who has the most intimidating postseason crowd in all of baseball? Where, if, if you are a baseball player, Grayson, where do you least want to play? I think we've talked about it all of the postseason. It's it's the bank. Citizens Bank Park is the scariest place to play in the postseason. 100%. See, like, I was thinking, like, you know, definitely bias, but I was thinking maybe, like, mm. Yankee Stadium, Fenway Park. It's probably scarier for the Yankees players than anybody else. Just like the to magnitude play at of the Yankee situation. Stadium. The way that the fans yeah. treat them on such a reactionary basis has got to be scary day by day for a Yankees player. Yeah. Uh, you know, Fenway, uh, I think, has a bit as well. It's not easy. Yeah. It's not. Obviously, you know, a lot of World Series contenders have had to go through them as well as the Yankees, of course. Yeah. But I, I think. When it comes to those two, it's like, yes, their fan bases are passionate, but it's not, it may not seem as genuine as Philly. Yeah. Like, those Philly fans are fucking insane. It's it's more than being a fan of baseball when it comes to those two teams. It's more of being, it's more than being a fan of the team itself. It's like the city. You're not rooting for the Phillies. You're rooting for Philadelphia. And I think that's what really fires those people up. They don't care if you hate them. They don't care if you think every single person from Philly is the biggest douchebag in the world. They don't care if you think half their people are just numbskulls. They don't care because they probably are, first of all. And they're just going to yell in your face as they kick your ass. Yep. So I, I think nobody nobody can, can touch them at all. There's not a single yeah, fan base more devoted. There's not a single stadium that gets louder. Like, it is, it is genuinely unrivaled. Yeah. No, I, I like that take. It's they, Philly fans, it's almost like it's... Um, it's all like a big celebration that they're even there to begin with. Yep. While, you know, when you go to cities like Boston and New York, it's more, it's just so intense. Like, and I guess like maybe in that aspect, you could say that like, it's more intense to play for, you know, uh, the Red Sox come postseason time. And it's more intense to play for the Yankees come postseason time. But as far as just being celebrated and like baseball atmospheres, we can give it to the bank. Yeah, I I think it's a it's a no brainer. Yeah. All right. All right. NFL. NFL question for you. There is no more undefeated teams. We have five five and one teams. Who's the best? 49ers, Eagles, Dolphins, Lions, or Chiefs? Forty ers Dolphins, Chiefs, Lions, Eagles, right? Yeah. I think. I you know what I like? Fuck it! I'm going the Lions. Fuck they, yeah! I think out of all of those teams, are just the most complete one, and I'm only saying that because I feel like the Forty ers really got exposed by the Browns. Yeah. Uh, I, I feel like it. The 49ers are probably my second 
in this list. Um, I would probably even put the Dolphins over the Chiefs. Oh yeah, uh, the Chiefs would be my, my at the bottom. Yeah, I, I would same. go so there's five, right? So at the top, Lions, Niners. We'll see Sunday night, but I'm going Dolphins, Eagles, yeah. Chiefs. Okay, I'd yeah. go 49ers, Lions, just because the defense of the Lions has been shaky at times this season. That's the only thing. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm going 49ers, Lions, Eagles, Dolphins, Chiefs. Chiefs are like so far behind the Dolphins; it's insane. Um, all right, you ready for a uh, soccer question? Hopefully. <laughs> um, let's see. Build your dream Premier League back four. Ooh, like current or all time? I'll go all time. Oh, that makes it so much harder. Um, go ahead, give me better check and goal. Oh, wow. Love, okay, well you said back four, but can I throw in the goalie? Yeah, that's totally okay. fine. Okay. Um, let me get... This is tough. It's really tough. I'm trying to think back on like some of my favorites. Give me uh, give me Ashley Cole in his prime at left back. Okay. Give me Virgil van Dyke. Because I think he's one of the best ever in the prep. Okay. Um. Shit, man. Like, there's so many options. Obviously, I favor the more recent ones. I did love this player. I I don't know if I can do that. Fuck it. Yeah, I'll take him. Give me uh, Nemanja Vidic at center back as well. That's who I was going to take at center okay, back, cool. at least one of them. I was between him and Rio Ferdinand. I couldn't decide. Um, yeah. And right back. I love Kieran Trippier right now, but I don't know if I could stick with him. I mean, if he fits in the team, you know. kind. He's not that fast, but I do like his attacking style. So, I, yeah, I'm going to go with Kieran Trippier. Okay. I I'm gonna go oh man, I, I love doing these. <laughs> I'm gonna go Patrice Evra. I'm going left to right. I'm mm-hmm. going Patrice Evra. I was between him and left. Ashley Cole, I'll be honest. Yeah, he was sick. And I, I mean I this is even coming from a Chelsea fan. I, I loved Patrice Evra. Um definitely John Terry is gonna be my left center yeah. back. Uh you went Vidic. I'm gonna throw out Sol Campbell as my other center back. Yeah, he like was that. sick in his prime. And then I'm going to throw in another name out there, but I'm, oh, oh this one right back is going to be good. I, I like Gary Neville. Um, I'm going to go Bakary Sagna. Oh, I like that. So yeah. Old or, Man City. Yeah, Old Man City, Old Arsenal. Um, but I mean, like, there's there's some guys, like, I'm looking at a list here, like, <clears throat> we, no, no one named um, Jamie Carragher. Nope, it would have been a good pick. Uh, Pablo Zabaleta. Yep, he was sick. Uh, Leighton Baines. Yeah, yeah, a couple guys that we could have gone with. A lot of guys. Like so that. many more people that we totally missed. Um, 
There's yeah. just there's so many options. It's crazy. Yeah. Of just yeah. absolute legends. Because like if you go all the way back in the day, there's tons more. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that was wow. solid. Overall. Awesome. Well. We did the unthinkable. We had a shorter episode. Yeah. Two hours and three and a half minutes to this point, we switch back over to our main screen so that you can look down and you can see those socials right below us, the same ones that are always there every episode, and they've always been there in your brain, ingrained in your mind from going there every single day and clicking that link tree and just studying it, studying what all of our usernames are. I know you guys do that. Don't don't fool yourselves. Don't try and fool me. I know everything. But... I also know that you're going to go to each one of those and you're going to follow us on all of them. And since you're watching me look into your, your eyes, your beautiful, beautiful, whatever color they are eyes, you're going to like subscribe, comment, turn on notifications, make sure you're just interacting with us in general. And then if you're on the podcast platforms and you hear my beautiful sultry voice into your big ass fucking ears, um, I just assume the people that listen to this on audio only have big ears. And if you don't like that assumption, you should watch on YouTube. But um, if you hear me speaking, speaking directly into your ears, then um, you should give us five stars on Apple and Spotify. You should follow us on any of the podcast platforms that allow you to. And you should go to that link tree however you may. However you'd like, find the link tree and follow us everywhere. Click those links, follow us everywhere. Guys, thank you once again for joining us. We kept it short for one fucking time ever, me and Luke. Yes. Keeping it relatively short, two hours, right where we want to be. Luke, anything else you've got for the people? Listen, I was kept warm by my, my Ariana Grande t-shirt. Don't forget, she was with us the whole episode. Um, yeah, man. It, postseason baseball. NFL. Oh, yeah, man. NASCAR's winding down. I've been kind of keeping up with NASCAR. <laughs> so I have not, but I do like NASCAR. If it, if like The thing is, is my Sundays are consumed already. Soccer fucking london games nfl all day i don't have time to watch Gosh. nascar my dad flips back and forth I'll flip back with like whatever the one o'clock nfl game yeah. is in the nascar race he's just saying like every me sunday. bro you got that four screen up on the youtube tv with the <laughs> yeah. sunday ticket there's no switching channels i'll tell you that oh boy. that must be nice <laughs> it, it is beautiful but what's even better is that if you're still listening to this episode I'm sure you'll be listening on Monday for our first ever Monday episode. Me and Colin recording during Sunday night football week by week by week by week. Yeah, maybe we're going to miss out on talking about Monday night football. I don't really care this week. The 49ers are going to dominate the Vikings. But nonetheless, it's going to be fun. We're going to have the energy. And um, yeah, look out for it. Make sure you uh, you set your reminders that Monday morning is a new era of second and short, and um, we want you guys along for the ride. I think that's going to do it for us, guys. Thank you to Luke for uh, joining us as always, and uh, thank you to you guys for uh, strapping in, watching this whole one. We'll catch you guys later. We'll catch you guys next week. 
Peace.